As you may have noticed, the Covert Narcissism podcast has a new look. Well, kind of a new sound. And my producer came to me and and he said, hey, you should charge for a second episode each week. It's like a, a bonus episode, a patron program. And I went, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in my heart to charge for these episodes. So I told him, I said, look, we just, we got to find a different way. So instead of charging for a second episode, we're going to open up donations. So if you are finding value in this and you can contribute to our cause, please join us. And as you do, I want to reward you. I, I want to thank you for your, your commitment for this monthly donation. I'm working on a book. And the title of the book is still in the works, but the title I'm liking right now is Grasping Covert Narcissism, subtitled Catching a Ghost. And if you can donate to our cause, I am going to send you the first chapter of this book. To donate, just go to the top of the link at the show notes. It's nice and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. You all are a part of my journey, so please join me if you can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we are back with my son. This is part two, and we're going to follow up with two questions that uh, have been given to me by people who want this question asked to my son, and he's been willing to come in here and, and join us for this podcast. So thank you again for joining us today. Yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Um, let's go. Okay. So the question, and I get asked this a lot, parents who have kids in this environment with a narcissistic partner. They're trying to decide. This is once the, the, the relationship's over. They know divorce is coming. When do I divorce? They're, they're concerned about the age of their kids. So I get asked, you know, do I do it when they're 10? Do I do it when they're, do I wait till they're 18? What is your take on that regarding these parents who are trying to figure out a timeline? Yeah, uh, that is definitely a big question. Um, and I'm just going to speak from my opinion and from my experience. And so what my answer to that in when should I do it? I'd say there's no magic answer. Um, I think that something that, cause I mean, I've, we've had this kind of conversation before about, yes. um, this kind of thing. And I think a lot of people overemphasize the effect a divorce will have on their kids. I want to be straight up honest about that. I think that what household the child is listen is living in is not the important factor. To me, what matters way more is the relationship between a parent and their child. If the child doesn't have a relationship with either parent, then whether you're living in the same household or in split households is going to suffer for the child. The child's going to suffer. Mm -hmm. It's like a side issue. Exactly. Um, I really think that the main piece isn't the divorce. I think the main piece is the relationship with the non-narcissist parent. Okay. And, and how does that then play out in their decision-making of whether to divorce now or later? Definitely. Um, so, I mean, in our situation, uh, and I think had you divorced before our relationship got better, I think it would have been a lot harder for our relationship to grow. And our relationship, you mean you and me? You and me. Yeah. Back in my past, our past. 
I, I think, you know, back because our relationship really kind of got a lot better right when I was about 14. Uh, that, that's kind of where I, I have that in my head. And I think if you had divorced prior to that, it would have been tough for me. Again, I don't think it's the divorce that really is the factor there. I think the factor is the relationship. You know, you and I didn't have a wonderful relationship up until, you know, we didn't have much of a relationship up until I was about 14, but it was still a little bit better than it was with dad. And I think splitting a divorce there, I think the, the, our relationship would have struggled more. Okay. Just that's my opinion on that now. And that's my situation. I'm just talking about my situation. That's all you can talk for. Yes. Yes. The, the factor that changed on, on when I thought the divorce was a lot better is when we got that relationship. Okay. After once our relationship kind of developed and we had a genuine relationship, uh, kind of mother to son, then everything got a lot better. We, whether I was in the same house as you two, or if you were splitting houses, I don't think that matters at that point. I think that the main factor to a child's life is at least one solid, strong relationship. Yeah. Dr. Craig Malkin actually talks about that in a video. And I want to say this for the listeners out there, go look this video up. He talks about, you know, breaking that cycle of narcissism uh, that runs through families. And it only takes one solid relationship with a caregiver to start breaking that cycle. Something you've said to me before is, is that you think it's better for the child to have one strong relationship, at least with one of the parents than two broken relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, I mean, two mediocre relationships, even. Um, and I think that that's, that's an issue that I know you and I had a lot in our past. Something that, that I would say you got wrong, definitely, would be that up until I was about 14, you really wanted me to have a good relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. You spent a lot of time ignoring our relationship and trying to make things a little bit better with my dad, between dad and I. Mm-hmm. And... Like I'm saying, I think that the priority needs to be one good, solid relationship, not two mediocre ones. So to the parents out there that are hearing this, a hundred percent, I agree. Focus on your relationship with your child and not trying to, um, to create that relationship between the narcissistic parent and the child, because that just makes things worse. Absolutely. I would take good relationship and a bad relationship over to men relationships all all day long. Okay. And I feel like a lot of kids are the same way. Okay. And it leads us right into the other question that is a big question. Um, The question that was presented to me was to give to you was what did your mom do right in all of this in supporting you? But I'm going to add to it kind of what you've already just started touching on is what did I do wrong as well? Because these are parents out there that are looking right now at their kids who are, you know, between eight and 18 or whatever ages they are. And trying to figure out what to do. I mean, again, that feels like a lot of pressure. Um, but, <laughs> it's uh, okay. You got you got freedom here to talk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is, please, yeah, this is just my opinion, but, and from my experience. Um, but I think a lot of what, I'm going to start with kind of where we got wrong. Sure. And then go, because that came first chronologically. Um. I think definitely your desire for instead of, you know, you put yourself aside, didn't focus on your relationship with me and you wanted to focus on my relationship with dad. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, I, from an outside standpoint, then it does make some sense. You know, there's the big, you can look at all the studies that go a child raised in a split household, a child raised in a single parent household, all, did all this, all that. I, statistics are statistics, but statistics don't feel. And so I think when you consider what someone's feeling and, you know, the specific situation of narcissism, you really need to focus on your own relationship with your child. The child needs a good example, not two mediocre examples, especially someone like me, because in many ways I'm similar to my father. Um, I, I have a lot of similarities with him and the way I think and some of the way I act, uh, I, I'm incredibly similar to him. I, I can't deny it. I'm not going to, that's who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not, you know, I can choose to act the same as him, or I can choose to act differently. How I act and who I am are two different things. And so, yes, I'm similar to him in many ways, but I can choose to act differently. And I know I'm a little off topic right now. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. It's important because some of the parents out there do reach out to me and talk about, oh, but my kid is just like this narcissistic parent. And they're terrified that that pattern, again, it's the cycles. They're terrified that that will continue. But the point being that, that there are strengths still that are in that narcissistic parent that are good traits to carry on. It's the, the compassion and the empathy side of it is where the, the weaknesses lie. So just because you're similar to your dad or think like your dad or any of that, again, it doesn't make that all bad. No, it's not all bad. You know, I mean, you chose dad for a reason. Sure. You know, but um, anyway, kind of going back to the situation before our relationship got a lot better and then leading up to how our relationship got better. But previously, a lot of the issue was also the emotions I was quote unquote allowed to feel when I was with my dad, it was not okay for me to be happy. He would never put it that way or word it that way. But if I was happy, it meant that something besides him was making me happy. And that was unacceptable. Whatever I was happy about, he had to be the reason, you know, if I was playing a game that made me happy, he would go out or he would go try to get involved, take over and it wouldn't go well. You know, one of the examples I use is spearmint gum. To this day, I can never chew another piece of spearmint gum. He noticed, I was, I was like 15, 16. He noticed one day I was chewing a piece of spearmint gum and I was enjoying it. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. So he decided to go out and buy me spearmint gum. Nothing wrong with that. He bought me 200 packs of spearmint gum. <laughs> I remember. Not 200 pieces, 200 packs of spearmint gum. And if I ever came home and was chewing a gum that wasn't spearmint, oh, that was not okay. You don't appreciate my gift. You've already gone through it all. You wasted it. Some, some line of that is going to come every day. It got to the point where I could, I still can't stand the taste of spearmint because I chewed nothing but spearmint for a year and a half and still had packs left. <laughs> I remember the, those yes, packs. They're all over the crazy. house. My backpack smelled like spearmint for a year and a half. Uh, I, I got to the point where, you know, you open a pack of gum at school, everyone goes to take a piece of gum from you. No, I was handing out packs of gum. Mm-hmm. My classmates were tired of spearmint gum. It's right. ridiculous. Anyway, but that's just, that's kind of the example I use is that, you know, anything that made me happy that wasn't him, it wasn't okay. Okay. And then when it came to you, I couldn't be unhappy. If I was unhappy, then... You know, that wasn't acceptable. It was a sign of failure. Something's wrong. No, everything needs to be okay. Everyone needs to be happy. I went into fix-it mode. Absolutely. And I couldn't stand it. I 
couldn't I, stand it. I understand that now. Yes. And so it, I couldn't be happy around dad. I couldn't be unhappy around you. So I just became nothing. I really just shut my emotions down hard. Um, and just for the longest time, really didn't feel much at all. Uh, it was about, I was probably 18 when I really started to fix that, uh, after some, some life events. But yeah, that's one of my, one of my, one of the things that, you know, I'm never going to get back is I'm never going to have just the memories of a fond childhood. I don't have happy memories cause I don't have, I don't have angry memories. I don't have, they're just neutral. They're just memories. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange to kind of recall and compare stories with friends of mine who had quote-unquote normal parents, (laughs) whatever that means. Right. Um, When we compare those stories, the way they talk about it, you can tell it's just so much more passionate the way I talk about it. Um, But I've I've put a lot of work into feeling again, and it's taken me a lot of time. You know, it's... But it's worth it. It is. It is. And... Something that that a, a therapist said to me that, that I think is really powerful is, and I think you've said you've talked about this a time or two, but that emotions are not like a hot and cold water faucet. You can't turn on the hot water. You, can, you can't just turn on the hot water or turn on the cold water. You can't just turn on the good emotions and bad the off emotions. They're more like a radio or a stereo. You can turn the volume up or you can turn the volume down. Whatever comes out of that stereo is going to come out of that stereo. When you can, you can turn how much you feel up and you can turn how much you feel down, but you can't turn up how much you feel the good. You only can't turn off the bad and turn on the good exactly. and vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that was terrifying for me to start feeling again because, you know, there was a lot of pain and anger, but it took me a lot of time to get it expressed and get through it. And I'm still working on a lot of that. It's a journey of a lifetime. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so at what, somewhere in there, our relationship shifted. Yes. And, and I think that's where I want to go next then is, okay, what, what from your perspective brought that shift or what did that look like for you? The biggest shift, and I don't remember exactly the conversation, but I remember how it made me feel kind of, um, was the, the conversation. I don't remember. Dad and I had just gotten into a big fight. Um, and I had, you know, dad had stormed off. You had followed him to try to help console and calm things down. Uh, yeah, I was about somewhere between 13 and 14. I'm going to use, I'm going to say 14, but, um, and I had gone up to my room. I was, uh, I was probably sitting playing Pokemon or something. Who knows? But a little while later you came into me and instead of our normal, Hey, here's what dad was trying to say. Here is what. Um, he meant, here's how you should react, da-da-da-da. It was, this is annoying. You came in, and it was you telling me how you really felt. It wasn't trying to change how I felt. It wasn't trying to excuse how what Dad did. It was just genuine what you felt. And... The genuineness, I think, is really when I noticed that. And I kind of really started to feel, you know, and that's where it started. Mm -hmm. It took more than one conversation, of course. But that's when I started to be a little more open to how I was genuinely being. And that's when our relationship slowly started to get better. Is that conversation is where it started. 
is the genuineness that you came into that door with. Okay. So it was, it was now coming in and I think what shifted in me is I didn't have the answers for anything anymore. I couldn't fix anything anymore. I just was trying to be honest. You were human. Yeah. You weren't above me. You weren't below me. You were human. And I was human. And that was okay. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, for a lot of that, you would always either pretend to, you either had the answer, you always told me you had the answer. And (laughs) I was a fix it. I remember the books you gave me, How to Take the Gur Out of Anger. I remember that book. I never actually read it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, like the, the difference was when you just came in and you weren't trying to fix me, you weren't trying to fix dad, you weren't trying to fix our relationship, you weren't trying to fix a thing. It was just how you were feeling, what you were feeling. I mean, yeah, you were complaining. And I, and as, as I say this, I can hear the questions, well, what if they think I'm coming in and I'm trying to manipulate them against, my, against the spouse? Especially if you're dealing with a spouse that is manipulative. The, the child might get used to that manipulation. Well, you're right. The child is used to that manipulation. So when they see something that isn't manipulation, they will know. Children are smarter than you think sometimes. And that they can tell if you're being genuine or not. Especially if, I mean, they've been living with you 100% of their life. You've been with them for a lot of your life. They have been with you for all of their life. Mm -hmm. They started learning when you were being genuine and when you weren't being genuine from day one based on faces, sounds, everything. That's how the brain develops. And so like, while they may not be able to even verbalize it yet, exactly, at that yeah. age, you probably weren't able to verbalize it necessarily yet. No, I just knew that that conversation was good. But you knew it was different. Yeah. I knew that that conversation was good. And okay. I could tell when you, when you, based on something as simple as how you were knocking on my door or how you were coming in, whether we were going to be having a genuine conversation or whether it was going to be a fix it. And then over the next year or two, it became a lot more of a genuine conversation, way less of the fix-it. And that's kind of where our relationship grew a lot was that. But I think think another piece that's big that I'm not sure I've really mentioned much to you about what I think you got right during that time is that you also let me have my space. Once our relationship started to get better, you didn't just crave and constantly want to be around for the validation that our relationship is getting better. You let me have my space and trusted that our relationship was getting better. I didn't have to prove to you that our relationship was getting better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. I, I had to reach that point where I just had to trust it and, and let it be. Yeah. And I think if, I mean, if you don't show your child trust, your child's not going to show trust to you. And I mean, that's part of being the parent. You are the, you are the one that has to extend the branch first. Yeah. It's not going to come the other way. And if the child isn't ready to receive it, then the child's not ready to see, receive it right now. Yeah. You know? Well, you're, as parents out there, you are leading the way for what's going on with these children in regards to if you decide now I'm just going to be genuine with my feelings and I'm going to allow myself the space to be human, you're also unspokenly given that child permission for them to be human too. You're given permission for their feelings because now you're starting to be more genuine with your feelings. You're giving permission for that, but you're also giving permission for the child to reject it completely. True. If you are being vulnerable and open, truly vulnerable and open, 
then it's very possible that the child is not ready for it at the moment and that the child is completely unresponsive to it at this point in time. And that does happen. And that's going to hurt if it happens. Mm -hmm. But part of being genuine and open with with another human being is accepting the fact that you're going to get hurt sometimes. That is true. And I will say there is a lot of pain in that relationship. It's mm-hmm. definitely there, but the genuineness wins out if, if that, if you can get to that point. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And kind of going back to the first question about, should I divorce now? Should I wait till, you know, that my child's 18? Um, I think that the big piece is getting to that genuine relationship. If you think, you know, and I'm talking about only the scenario where you are 100% sure your relationship with your spouse is done. You are going to divorce. You don't know when, but you're going to. The only thing holding you back is the child. And I say holding you back. I don't mean it with the connotation of holding you back. But the only thing at this point preventing you from filing for divorce is the child. You're ready emotionally. You're ready physically, financially, etc. In that situation, the relationship between you and your child needs to be the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is all. Mm-hmm. I would say not, you know, your relationship with your spouse, not your spouse's relationship with your child, your relationship with your child. And if your child's at a time where they are not ready to receive a relationship, you know, because there's pain in narcissistic families mm-hmm. and the children are going to feel that pain. If they aren't ready for that relationship, then I would be hesitant divorcing at the moment Mm -hmm. because if they're not ready for a relationship and now you force them to be in the house with either you or your spouse at all times, that's a problem. It could create more conflict. It could. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that that I was grateful for two parents in the household growing up is when I was upset with you, I could go to dad. And when I was upset at dad, I could go to you. and, you know, just as a tiny little buffer, granted at that point, neither of those buffers were fun, but it, it was better than nothing. And I think that it really, you have to have that genuine relationship you with know? your child. And if, yes. and if your child just in the household is, you know, you've tried several times over a span of time. I'm I'm not a pro. I'm not going to say a six months, a year, whatever, just whatever your feeling is and it's not happening, it's not working, then I would suggest maybe a divorce. Yeah. If the household environment you have right now is not an environment that the child can build a relationship with you, change the environment and try again. Sure. Sure. And emotional safety being crucial, even if the child's not responsive to it yet, Give them the emotional safety. Give them, parents that are out there listening, I know I made the mistake of not allowing my kids to feel their negative feelings, and I shut that down way too much. Learn from that and give your kids emotional safety. They they need to be able to express their feelings, and they're going to come out ugly sometimes for all of us. Mm-hmm. I think that every relationship is entirely different, and that's just life, you know? Right. Well, thank you for joining us. I really, truly appreciate you doing these two episodes with us and, um, and for just helping to continue spreading the word about, you know, what's going on in these families and how we can help these kids and how we can help future generations. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. 
Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.